want to continue on. This is the last article that we have uh, listed in the Articles of Faith. You've had an opportunity uh, to uh, listen to each one of these articles that we've attempted to explain, tried to uh, share scriptures as to where our forefathers uh, obtained the basis for these articles. The articles are a guide or a guideline for the church when the church was constituted back in uh, 1934. Uh, we embraced these articles that were passed up from churches down in North Carolina that had embraced uh, the articles as well. And we continued to uh, emphasize them at different times throughout uh, our time here at Mount Carmel and feel like that they serve as a really good guide. It's not that everybody has to understand all of the articles completely. I'm still growing and I'm still uh, growing in the knowledge of them myself. But it gives a real good general outline as to what we believe that the scriptures teach about the Lord, his people and his church and how it teaches about his sovereignty. So I'd like to address the last one, if the Lord would bless. And I pray that uh, it'll be a blessing to you as well. In light of all that we've looked at, the other 10 articles of faith, we realize that God sovereignly quickens us with his Holy Spirit and he makes us alive. And he does it solely by his grace and his mercy and his power. And it's not hinging upon anything that we say or do or act, but he does it sovereignly. And when he does it, he does it immediately. He quickens us immediately by his Holy Spirit. And it's without the aid or assistance of men or the word or receiving or anything like that. He's sovereign when he does it. But then that's not the end of it. That's not the end of what God has called us to be or God has called us to do. So let's look at article chapter uh, verse uh, article 11. It's not verse, but we'll go to some verses, Lord willing, that support this article and where it came from. Article number 11. We believe that the grace of God that bringeth salvation, that it teaches us that denying ungodliness and, world, and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And it is, and that it is, therefore, the duty of all church members to be jointly and severally engaged in every good work. And here it tells the purpose for the glory of God and the honor of Christian religion. We'll sort of summarize it. As a result, of God doing a work in your heart. As a result of God quickening you with his Holy Spirit. As a result of you being an heir of grace and heaven bound. God has called us to serve him here on this earth. As a result of what he's done for us. And he says that we are his workmanship. He's the creator. He's the potter. We're the clay. And to where we are to use, it's referred to as this tabernacle. That's what you see here. That's this body. 
That's this mind that God has blessed us with. That because of what God has done for us and because of God being the potter and we being the clay, that he has fashioned us unto good works. Now, it was told to my pastor, and he's now with the Lord, that if I believed in grace like you believe, he said, an individual told him, he said, if I believe in grace like you believe in grace, I'd go out and sin all I wanted to. He said, if you believed in grace like I believe in grace, you'd already realize that you sin more than you want to. And so God has created us to serve him here on this earth. He didn't have to. He could have taken us on home to glory. And sometimes don't you wish that he kind of had up? You know, when folks have already gone on to glory or about ready to go to glory, sometimes I, I have to confess I'm a little bit jealous when they're close to glory. Because I understand that it's not a little bit, but Paul says it's far better than what we have on this earth. So the best that you have here, heaven is far better than that. But because we've been made alive and quickened and made in the image of Christ, we're to use whatever God gives us. That's our mind. That's our resources. That's our abilities. And it's also the gifts that God has given us to serve him. Now, how do we best serve the Lord? We best serve the Lord by serving one another. You know, I thought it was interesting that Brother Harder, after he had been a servant of the Lord all these years, and he's now past 80 years of age, his greatest desire is to get well so he can serve the Lord's people. Well, here's how Paul sums it up right here. Ephesians chapter 2, it starts out and it tells us how that we were made alive. He says that we were dead in trespasses and sins. And he says that he quickened us together, that you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. He makes us alive in Christ. He says, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. What he's saying right here is that when Christ quickens us and blesses us with his Holy Spirit, there's a difference in us. There is. You may still have sinful desires and sinful temptations but it'll bother you it will he says that we've been made alive in christ verse 4 says but god who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were in uh, dead in sins hath quickened us together with christ and he says it twice here real close together in the next three verses he says, even when we were dead in sin. So Christ loved us when we were unlovable. Christ didn't love us because we were lovable, but Christ loved us in spite of being unlovable. And it says that he didn't look down through time. We believe in foreknowledge, but we don't believe we believe that God foreknows everything but God doesn't predetermine everything. And God looked down through time. And you know what he found? 
he found that all men had gone away from the Lord. In fact, he says, there's none good. No, not one says the fool hath said in his heart. There is no God. You find somebody that claims that they uh, don't believe that there's a God. The Bible says that that person is a fool. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. But they're missing something big time if they don't believe in the Lord. Here he says, even when we were dead in our sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. And then he says something that I really enjoy. And I love this right here. We sing the song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. He says that we're saved by God's grace. And just in case we might forget that, he says it a second time right here. He says, even when we were dead in sins, hath made us alive, quickened us with Christ. He says, by the way, by grace are you saved. We mentioned yesterday in New York that mercy is what God uh, bestows upon us for, uh, in, in keeping us from getting what we do deserve. But grace is what we don't deserve. It's God giving us something that we do not deserve. And God has shed his grace upon us. Because we're not deserving and worthy of his grace. And he says, oh, by the way, you're saved by grace. And then he comes down. He says, and he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know, I think when we come to the house of the Lord and we sing hymns of praise, we're sitting together in heavenly places. I believe we are. I believe we're fulfilling this right here. When we come together, sing hymns, worship the Lord. But we're also going to be raised together in the third heaven, in paradise itself, by Christ. He says that in the ages to come, that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And then wonderful verse right here. The next two verses are so rich. He says, by the way, here it is again. For by grace are you saved through faith. And then just in case we begin to think that it's of our own doing, he says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And then right on the tail end of that verse, he says, and that not of yourselves. Faith, it's important. And it helps us get from right here to the end of our life in this life. We're not going to need faith in heaven. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. That, you, you know what faith is. You believe in heaven. I don't believe you'd be singing about it like you sing about it if you didn't believe in it. You haven't seen heaven. You haven't seen Christ. But you believe it because you have faith. You believe that you're going to end up in heaven, not because of all that we've done, but because of what he's done. And you believe that because of faith. You haven't experienced it yet in its fullness. You won't need faith in heaven. But faith is the result of being born Spiritually, there's a whole lot of things that come with spiritual birth and spiritual life. And faith is one of them. So when God quickens you with his spirit, makes you alive in Christ and declares to you that you're his child and that he is your king, he blesses you to have faith. Now, sometimes our faith gets cold. Sometimes our faith gets weak. Sometimes our faith gets shallow, but you ultimately have faith. I think one of the best examples of that 
is, uh, I've mentioned it before, but I'll mention it again. Brother Cook, your dad, when he was nearing the end of his journey and his voice was so weak and he was, had been suffering from the afflictions of cancer and, and uh, when we saw him at the hospital and Brother Cook and his brothers were there tending to his father's needs. And he said, just above a whisper, just barely could understand what he said. He said, Brother Stephen, do you think that the Lord has forgotten about me? I said, Brother Cook, the Lord can't forget about you. That's when you have the great blessing of running to the scriptures and sharing some scriptures of the promises of God to encourage. I said, the Lord can't forget about you. He's got you inscribed in the palm of his hand. And he's promised that he's always going to be with us and that he's never going to forsake us. And you know what he said? He said, that sounds real good. His faith just need to be a little bit strengthened. And sometimes our faith just needs to be a little bit strengthened. Brother Compton got a little bit weary along the way. And it was amazing how you could read the scriptures. Wasn't it, Sister Jerry? And it would pull him out of that. We've got faith. It just needs to be nurtured and encouraged. And being with brothers and sisters in Christ, singing hymns and fellowship, that encourages our faith. But you've got faith if you're a child of God. Now, here's what he says right here. He says, you're saved by grace through faith. And he says, and that not of yourselves. And he says, and by the way, it's a gift from God. Anybody here like gifts? Kids, anybody like gifts? Well, I do. Surely somebody else likes gifts here besides me. Sister Jerry likes gifts. All right. A gift is not something that you do something to get. A gift has been given to you from the generosity of the giver. In fact, you remember about Jacob and Esau when they were journeying and Jacob had not seen Esau and he thought maybe to calm his brother's anger against him, he thought he'd send some gifts in front of him. He did and smoothed him down. That's exactly right. But your salvation... Your salvation is a gift from God. It is. Whether we acknowledge it or not, we all like gifts. And we especially rejoice in the gift of our eternal life. We do. That's the greatest gift of all. And you know what that gift was? It was Jesus Christ giving his life upon the cross of Calvary. That was the free gift. We couldn't have purchased it. We couldn't afford it. But God gave us that gift. And then he says, and this is how Paul describes it and how, oh, and he says in verse nine, he says, by the way, it's a gift of God. And he says, by the way, it's not of works. And then he tells us one good reason that it's not of works. He says, it's not of works, not good works, bad works, any kind of works. He says, your salvation is not a result of your works. He says, your salvation is a gift from God and it's not of works. He says, lest we would boast. Now, anybody here like to boast? 
Well, he says right here that one of the reasons that salvation is the way that it is is so that we don't boast. We don't take the credit for it. But now he says, now that he's done all this for us, are we just to forget all about the Lord? He says, no. He says, for we, that's you and I. He says, for we are his workmanship. I don't know about you, but I believe that I hope and I pray I'm a work in progress. I hope I am. It's a 24-7 job for the Lord. Lord's able to do it. But the Apostle Paul, he looked at his experience and he concluded, he says, oh, wretched man that I am. He says, who's going to deliver me from this veil of death? Paul didn't claim... Paul didn't claim the title of saying, I'm good and getting better. And when I finish my course, I'm going to be just about perfect here in this life. I can relate to the Apostle Paul in that respect. I'm like Sister Brucey Cade said, I'm not as good as I'd like to be and I'm better than I deserve. Amen. But when we go to heaven, that's when the ultimate change is going to take place. And we won't just be pretty good. We'll be perfect then when he changes us and makes us like him and he takes us home to glory it tells me that we're not going to struggle with sin anymore we're not going to struggle with temptation we're not going to struggle with despair we're not going to struggle with afflictions like we struggle in this life disappointment all those things it says in heaven it says in fact it says sorrows will be wiped away well that's pretty good sounds wonderful to me but he says right here that we're his workmanship. God's still working on us. Do you know what? God knows exactly what it takes in each one of our situations. I seriously doubt that John and Mallory discipline every single child exactly the same. Because every child's different. And God deals with his children individually as well. And God knows what it takes for each one of us. In directing us. In chastening us. In encouraging us. Now he says we're his workmanship. And he says we're created in Christ Jesus. So we look at all that he's done for us. All that he's done to us. All that he's doing for us. And he says we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. And then he says we are created unto good works. So the good works come at the very end. After God has done all of his work in us. After we're the recipient of God's grace, he then comes on and he says, we are created his workmanship in Christ Jesus unto good works. And he says, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. What's he basically is saying right here, the way I understand it, is that God has given us the direction. God has given us the guide in his word. God has given us by the spirit in our heart, by the, the laws that he's written within our heart, by the conscience that he gives us in our mind. God has given us all the things that point to living a life of good works. We don't do it to get to heaven, but we do it because we're heaven bound. We don't do it in order to gain God's favor, but we do it because God has had favor upon us and we owe it to the Lord to use whatever God has given us to serve him. Now, let's go over and look. He says that 
He gives us here in this life. He gives us. Uh, I'm just going to touch on this. It's really good. And, and I encourage you to go home and read it right here. He gives us in this life. As we mentioned before, there is a universal church body, the family of God. It's a big family. He tells us that it's as vast as the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. So God has a large family. Brother John's got a large family. Brother Asa has a large family. Brother Cook has a large family. But the family of God is much larger than that. It's much larger than than a particular denomination. It's much larger than a particular group. He tells us that he has a people out of every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. It's a big family, the family of God. But he also, in addition to that, he has blessed and arranged there to be a nucleus, a body of believers here upon this earth, and he calls it his church. And it's a family of believers of God. And one of the benefits of the church of Jesus Christ, I'm not going to go through and read all of this. I'm going to share with you where it's at. You go home and read it. First Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12. It talks about, and I'm going to just paraphrase and summarize it right here. It says that if you're a child of God, God has given you some specific spiritual gifts and abilities. And he's given you those gifts and abilities to use them to honor God and to serve other people. And he, he says right here, he says there are not any two gifts that are the same. I mean, you can look in our little congregation and you can see that there's not any two that are the same. He says that in the church, in, his, in this nucleus, in this body, he says there is a diversity of gifts. That's where we land on diversity. God blesses in his church with a diversity of gifts. And that no, there's not any two gifts that are the same. He begins to compare it. He compares it to the eye. And he says the eye is not the same as the ear. He says the hand is not the same as the foot. He says that they all have a different purpose, a different function. And he says there's not any two the same. And he goes on down to say, and I think this is something that we should take note of right here. He says not only are the gifts different, but he says the operations of the gifts are different as well. I don't know about you, but I feel like that there was a time in my life that I had the energy and zeal that Bray and Danny had. Well, that's kind of gone. The operation of the gifts that I have is, is a little bit different than it was 20 years ago. And probably will be a little bit different in 20 more years. Anytime we try to put somebody in our little mental box of what their gift ought to be or how they ought to use it. Or to the extent that they ought to use that gift and it has to meet our criteria. I think we're missing the mark. Because I believe that in the church of Jesus Christ, that God has arranged it and he set it up with a variety and a diversity of spiritual gifts. No two are the same, but all of them working together is a great blessing for the church of Jesus Christ. Now you may say, well, brother, sister, so-and-so is not up to the mark. They're not up to the standard. You know, I can't even get all the parts that I have in my physical body to work in harmony sometimes. I don't know about you, but things just don't work. And the older you get, the less they, they work. And, and, but the optimum goal and desire is that every gift that God has blessed 
in the church of Jesus Christ to be working together in perfect harmony. Let me just put it this way. God has called you for a purpose. You're here for a reason. And the reason is to serve God. And the way that you serve God is by serving other people. That's a great way to serve the Lord. Well, please go through and read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's really, really good. And also uh, Romans chapter 12. It, uh, it uh, talks about the, the different gifts. And it says that each gift that God gives is to be utilized. It's a blessing. Uh, just going to hit a couple of verses here in chapter 12 of Romans. It's really, 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 really good. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. That's interesting. Your bodies. Some folks say to me sometimes, well, I'm sorry I can't be at church, but I'm there in spirit. Well, that's wonderful. I appreciate it, and I appreciate your prayers that you're here in spirit. But did you know that God wants your body here? He does. He says... I present you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your your bodies a living sacrifice. That means take the body that God's given you and use it to serve him. And he says that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable unto God. Now, this is interesting right here. You want to know how to serve God? You use your body to serve God. You be in the Lord's house when you have an opportunity to worship the Lord. You use your body to visit the sick, to go and encourage other people. You use your body and what God has given you to honor God. Use your body and don't just say, I'm going to do it in spirit. He says that you present your body a a living sacrifice. and, and, And he says that's acceptable to God. You want to know what's acceptable to God? Honoring God by serving one another. And he says, by the way, he says, this is not an unreasonable service. He says, this is your reasonable service. And then he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And he said, for I say through the grace given unto me, To every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. He says, don't get lifted up in pride. He says, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. He says, for we have many members in one body. And he begins to make the comparison. We do. We have the hand. We have the eye. We have the ear. We have the foot. He says, we have many members in one body. And all members have not the same office. And he comes down and he begins to highlight the different, some of the different gifts that God has given. Do you know the best way that you can, the best way you can experience fulfillment in this life? It's better than the greatest pleasure that you might have. For Tristan has a great joy in the in the car that he got, and uh, and it's 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 pretty neat. And it's pretty fast, and 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 you'll like it. And he likes it a whole lot, and he likes the modifications that he's looking to do on it. But did you know that the joy that's greater than anything you can have here 
is to figure out the gift or gifts that God has given you and use those gifts. And when you do that, God blesses you with the fulfillment and a satisfaction and a peace and a comfort. And you lay down at night knowing that to the best of your ability, you've used those gifts to serve the Lord. Romans chapter 12, really, really, really good. Let's go back to Ephesians and we'll wrap it up with, in, in Ephesians. Ephesians, uh, again, to chapter 2. Let's, let's go down to verse 19. We'll touch on this. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but your fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. I have to tell you, when I went to the Philippines with Brother Harder, we would, uh, several, there were several ministers, and we would break apart, and we'd go in different directions, and we'd go by two by two. But I tell you, I, there were places that I felt very much like a stranger. And at one point, they took us by the American embassy, and, and, and I got so excited. All of a sudden, I could sort of relate, and my mind traveled back to America and the blessings and the freedoms that we have here. Sometimes we feel like strangers and pilgrims on this earth. When we see the, the decay, the moral decline, we feel like that we're strangers away from home. But he said, I've created an entity for you here on this earth. He says, you're no more strangers and foreigners, but you're fellow citizens with the saints of God. A bunch of strangers that have something in common bunch of strangers that are headed in the same direction. A bunch of strangers that have something in their heart that knits their heart and binds their heart together and gives them a kindred spirit. He says, you're no more strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and with the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And he says, and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Jesus Christ has to be the cornerstone of our hearts of this body fitly joined together in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple unto the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the spirit. It's, it's a work in progress with us. We can come together and we can unite our hearts together in a common cause, in a common direction with Jesus Christ being the foundation of it all. Now, Paul says, this is my desire for you. Chapter three, verse 16. Of whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named that he would grant unto you according to the riches of his glory. That he would grant unto you that you would be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Well, that's pretty good. That just means that you're strong in the Lord. That just means that he's given you his might. He's given you his power. He's given you his strength and you're strong in the Lord. 
That means when troubles come your way and trials come your way, you're not going to pitch in the towel, but you're going to lean on the Lord. He says that he would grant you his strength by his spirit in the inner man. I'm so thankful that even though this outward man is perishing, this inward man is renewed daily by the spirit of almighty God. And that even though we may fail outwardly, there's something on the inside that doth not sin and cannot sin. And that's in the spirit of God that's dwelling within us. And he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts. You get discouraged here in this life. Remember that Jesus Christ is your hope and your strength and your all and your all. And remember that Jesus Christ has experienced everything that you experience, every trial, every difficulty. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith and that ye being rooted and grounded in love. Did you know that that's super, super important? I just want to touch on this and I know we're about out of time, but I, I think this is really important for us. And he doesn't just say that we're to love folks that are lovable. He says we're even to love our enemies. And Christ loved us when we were unlovable. And we were in Corinthians and in Ephesians and in Philippians and in Romans. And, and we've gone through the articles and I, and I believe they're important and I believe they're a great guide and they give us a good direction and, and a good guide to live by. But Paul is saying that I pray that you'll be rooted and grounded in love. If you have all the other stuff and you don't have love, you're missing the mark. And here's how Paul sums it up right here. In fact, I'd rather you have love and not the other stuff. Because he says right here, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and I have not charity. That's somebody that's eloquent in their speech. That's somebody that can speak eloquently to other folks. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. And he says, and I have not charity. He said, I am become as a sounding brass and as a tinkling cymbal. He says, it's just a noise. That's all it is. He says, and though I have the gift of prophecy, I may be able to have great understanding in God's word. I may be able to see things that are going to happen in the future. I may be able to prophesy some things, but he says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and he says, and understand all mystery. I don't make that claim. I don't claim that I understand all the mysteries. I know that I don't. But he says right here, if you could, if you could prophesy, if you could understand all mysteries, if you could understand all the secrets in God's word, he says, if you could do that, he says, and if you had all knowledge and though he says, I have all faith that I could remove mountains, he says, even if you could do that, if you had the measure of faith that you could move mountains in the lives of God's people. He says, and you have not charity. He says, I am nothing. That's what he says. And then he says right here, though you've got some resources and you've decided to use those resources to feed the poor. 
You've opened a soup kitchen. You've provided for folks and you've done good works and you've done good deeds. He says right here, and I bestow all my goods. Now, most folks would say, well, I'll bestow some of the goods or I might even go up to 10% of the goods, but I'm surely not going to bestow all my goods to feed the poor. He says, you might be somebody that says they're going to bestow all their goods to feed the poor. And he says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and I have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Not to discount the articles that we've looked at right here. But it's important that as we embrace these articles that are right here, that we exercise it in charity and love. Or we don't have anything. Then he describes charity. Charity suffereth long. How long? Doesn't say. Doesn't say how long charity suffers. It says charity suffers long. What's it basically say? Charity is long suffering. It is. Charity suffereth long. And he says, and by the way, charity's kind. And he says, and charity envieth not. And then charity vaunteth not itself. He says that charity is not puffed up. It doth not behave itself unseemingly. It seeketh not her own and it's not easily provoked. If you're easily provoked, you ought to pray that the Lord will give you more charity. And I'll tell you something else. It says that charity thinketh no evil. Sometimes we have these vain imaginations. Tell you what Brother Bradley told me. He said, Brother Stephen, you can't be bitter against somebody and pray for them at the same time. You pray for them. You pray God will bless you to love them. And all of a sudden, God takes care of that bitterness. He does. It rejoiceth not in iniquity, but it rejoiceth in truth. It beareth all things, it believeth all things, it hopeth all things, it endureth all things. It's really good. All of chapter 3 is really, really good. I just want to wrap it up here. He says, I'm praying that your hearts are going to be rooted and grounded in love. He said, I'm praying that you might be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. And I'm praying that you will know the love of Christ, which passeth, passeth knowledge. And I'm praying, that, I'm praying that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. You say, how can I do? How can I experience all that? It seems distant from me. It seems foreign to me. How can that be? And this is how Paul sums it up. Now unto him. Do you know what? It's really all about him. It is. We're just the beneficiaries of it. He says now unto him. That's able to do something. I like how he writes it right here. Now unto him that is able to do, I love how he describes it. Now unto him that's able to do in us 
Now to him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above. Now, to me, that's really, really good what he puts right here. He says, now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above. Sometimes we get to thinking that there's certain things that are impossible in our life. I hope you heard Brother Bradley this morning. It's really, really, really good on the Baptist Bible Hour. Outstanding. Said that the question was posed, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And there's not. There's not. But the reason there's not is because of this right here. Now unto him. It's all about him. Now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. So if you start thinking that it can't be accomplished, can't be done, can't be overcome, can't be delivered. Remember, it may not can with your own ability and strength, but it sure can with the Lord. The Apostle Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. He says, now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And then he tells us how this takes place. He said, according to the power, that's the spirit of God dwelling within us, according to the power that worketh in us. That's that spirit of God that's dwelling on the inside. We're told that it doesn't get weaker and weaker as you go along, but it gets stronger and stronger. And it sees us through this life and it'll take us on home to glory. And he says, by the way, then you turn around and you give glory to the Lord. Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages. That's including 19 or 2019. Now unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. And he says, amen. So the last article I'll read and summarize it. We believe that the grace of God that bringeth salvation teaches us. Hebrews chapter 8 tells us that he writes his laws in our heart and in our mind. And he is our God and we are his people. He teaches us by his word. He teaches us through the fellowship of the saints. He teaches us by his spirit. He teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. And it says right here, in this present world. It means that God's called us here for a purpose. And it says, and it is therefore the duty of all church members to be jointly and severally engaged in every good work for the glory of God and the honor of Christian religion. I hear folks occasionally, they'll say, well, when they especially get really, really old, they'll say, well, I don't know why I'm still here. I don't feel like that I still have a purpose. I don't feel like I still have a reason. I don't know why that I'm still here. Did you know that the Lord has you here for a purpose? It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. Sister Perry's past 103. She's here for a purpose. She is. God has you here for a purpose. The Apostle Paul puts it like this. He says in Philippians chapter 1. He says, as far as I'm concerned... I'm paraphrasing this. He says, I've kind of had enough of this world sometimes. And he said, I'd rather. He says, in fact, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is, he says, far better. But he says, it is more needful, not for me. It's more needful for you that I stay around. 
So one of the reasons that the Lord keeps us around is maybe not for our benefit, although we receive many blessings. But it may be that God has you here for the benefit of those that are around you. It is. He says on down for the furtherance of your joy in the Lord. And that's why Paul was kept around. It says right here that we're to be engaged and we're to use the gifts to serve one another to the glory of the Lord. May God bless you. We're glad you've been able to listen to this special podcast. We invite you to come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Our services begin with hymn singing at 1030 a.m. Mount Carmel Primitive Baptist Church is located at 1707 Churchville Road in Bel Air, Maryland. If you've enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast application.